Hello, and welcome to your new favorite bookish podcast, Fully Booked and Caffeinated. I'm Heather. And I'm Kelsey. And today's episode is about the dark, speculative feminist thriller novel, The Grace Year by Kim Liggett. Now, as per usual, before we get into our discussion about this heavily <laughs> themed book, <laughs> what are you drinking? <laughs> I have an iced protein coffee because I hit back and buys this morning. Um, so I have a sweet vanilla Nespresso pod with a little vanilla Tarani syrup and a cafe latte protein shake. And wow, it's delightful. That sounds delicious. It sounds like a lot, but... But but together, I can understand it being pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty delicious. And I love my protein coffees because then they just last me hours and hours. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah, I got my Yeti like filled to the, the brim. And I'm like, <laughs> let's just drink this throughout the whole day. <laughs> that works. <laughs> what are you drinking? Um, I am staying hydrated because pregnancy as usual. But I am drinking a peach mango body armor light sports drink which has okay, been like look out i've been obsessed with these they're really really good getting it's your electrolytes in yes get myself okay. nice, nice and hydrated because i had my coffee this morning and sometimes i should only have one cup even though i could get it got a decaf but i was like i'm gonna stay hydrated today it's been a long yeah. weekend <laughs> it's like i need to just hydrate yeah, it's the beginning of the week for us so yeah <laughs> i was like i'm just gonna do what's best for my body so cheers So Kim Liggett is originally from the rural Midwest, but she moved to New York City when she was 16 to pursue a career in music. Oh, wow. Yes. Okay. Yes. She actually apparently lended her vocals to hundreds of studio recordings and was a backup singer for some of the biggest rock bands in the 80s. What? I know. I don't know what bands. I didn't do too much research on it, but I was kind of blown away that this she's just an author now. And but before that, she was some rock star. Wow. Okay. And a successful one. Wow. And a successful cool. one. Yes. But then my favorite part was that it says in her free time, she enjoys studying tarot. Love that. So this must be why we love this book. That's why we love this book yeah. so much. Because she's on our level. Yeah. And even the picture of her, I was just like, she is giving vibes. Like, Mm -hmm. I want to hang out with her. I agree. She's written a few other books, one of which was a Bram Stoker Award winner. And The Grace Year was a nominee for the Best Young Adult Fiction in 2019 for Goodreads. So I think she writes mainly young adult. That's the vibe I was getting from the other books that she wrote. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting that this book was labeled as a young adult thriller. Because the themes and what happens throughout this book is definitely heavy, but I think it's considered young adult because of the age of the characters in the book. They themselves are young adults. This is, honestly, since we started doing this podcast, I'm like, I do not understand what young adult is. I know. Like, at first I thought it was maybe like the ease of the reading. It's definitely not the themes or the, like, Hunger Games Bruh, we're, we're just fighting to the death. This book, you're going to tell me this is for young adults? I don't know. I don't know. This is this is shaping our youth. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's a good point. I think that's because what kind they're of... young. Yeah, I think that's what makes it considered that that genre. Because they're... Because the same thing with Hunger Games. They were all teenagers. Yeah. It wasn't 
20, 30 year olds going to battle. <laughs> it was teenagers. So yeah. I, I just, I think that maybe that's what they use to kind of label young adults. That's my assumption. I don't yeah. know. If anyone knows how or how or why they categorize, please tell me. Please tell us. I would love to know. <laughs> yeah, because honestly, <laughs> if you have kids who are young adults, y'all need to be screening these books. <laughs> True. <laughs> so I had mentioned it on the Flicker in the Dark podcast, how on Goodreads, some members can ask the author questions and they'll respond. Mm-hmm. And some had asked Kim if she was planning on writing a sequel to Gracier. And she says that there's another book set in the world on the table. What? Mm-hmm. She doesn't know when she's going to write it. It's, she had commented she's where, wherever her writing takes her is what she writes, but that she has another book set in this world that she's going to write. Okay. Okay. She, I'm... I'm nervous about that. Okay. Yeah. Because she, another book that she wrote, she wrote like a sequel to it. So I think she's known for kind of doing like duologies or multiple books in, in like one series. Right. Well, and as we'll talk about the ending of this, it's a, you could easily write another book in the same world. Yeah. But I don't think, I don't think just... she would do the same characters, but I think she was, would do like a, a different story, which you could absolutely yeah. do. Oh, I, yeah. Yeah, definitely. But I was excited when I read that. I was like, oh, that's nice. Because, like, apparently, like, we didn't, I didn't even know, neither of us knew this. This book came out, like, tw- in 2019. I thought it was, it, which is still recent, but mm-hmm. it's not as recent as I thought it was. Because I had only Heather, just had, discovered it. <laughs> we've had a whole pandemic since then. Okay? I know. It's not recent. <laughs> I only just <laughs> discovered this book about a year ago. So, <laughs> I and I finally read it, which I'm so glad I did. But I didn't realize that it was it came out that long ago you know what also is weird about this book you don't know what time period it's taking place in no like there's no there is no indication indication. of time because there's not really even any like technology in the book it's kind of very similar to the hunger games and where it's it's just it's very yeah it is it is dystopian it's definitely Mm -hmm. dystopian but there's no indication of when where they even are it's like past present or future yeah yeah exactly and i had read somewhere that this book is a mix of like the handmaid's tale meets the hunger games meets the lord of the flies <laughs> and i'm like yes that is to so all of the accurate <laughs> yes to all of the above <laughs> i didn't think of the lord of the flies one that's yeah that's 100 well, accurate. she starts she does two quotes in the very beginning of the book like during where you would do like a dedication Mm-hmm. And one is from The Handmaid's Tale and one is from Lord of the Flies. Yeah. I mean, that, that yeah. is spot on. <laughs> but there's definitely Hunger Games vibes in there when they're at the camp, like 100%. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> all right. So the description on the back of my book and on Goodreads is exactly the same. So I can just read it from... No, actually, I have a little bit different. Just kidding. I lied. The Goodread one's a little bit more descriptive. <laughs> I was like looking. I was comparing. All right. So no one speaks of the Gracier. It's forbidden. In Garner County, girls are told that they have the power to lure grown men from their beds to drive women mad with jealousy. They believe their very skin emits a powerful aphrodisiac, the potent essence of youth, of a girl on the edge of womanhood. That's why they are banished for their 16th year to release their magic into the wild so they can return purified and ready for marriage. But not all of them will make it home alive. 16-year-old Tierney James dreams of a better life, a society that doesn't pit friend against friend or woman against woman, 
but as her own grace year draws near, she quickly realizes that it's not just the brutal elements they must fear. It's not even the poachers in the woods, men who are waiting for a chance to grab one of the girls in order to make a fortune on the black market. Their greatest threat may very well be each other. With sharp prose and gritty realism, the Grace Year examines the complex and sometimes twisted relationships between girls, the women they eventually become, and the difficult decisions they make in between. I'm instantly angry from you <laughs> reading that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's just the vibe of the whole book immediately. <laughs> yeah. It really is about the relationships about the potential for those relationships, about the way that those relationships can either be positive, negative, harmful, helpful. That's that's the whole book. The yeah, whole book and with basically, a whole bunch of shit in between. And basically men feeling threatened of a woman becoming a woman. Exactly. Which is wild <laughs> to me. Yes. <laughs> and so, that they just have, they're these wily tempt temptresses mm -hmm. that just cannot control themselves and the men cannot control themselves and they're not expected to. No, there's a lot it's... of, there's so many creepy men throughout this book. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. It's oh, we'll, crazy. We'll get into it. Yeah. Well, typically we do, if either one of us is starting the pot, the, the episode, we'll do kind of an outline. And this book was my choice. And I couldn't even do an outline because I tabbed the fuck out of this book. <laughs> I was like, there's just so much stuff that happens. I can't even outline it because if I outline it, we'll be here for three hours. And yeah. Nobody wants I me. Mean, maybe they do, but I don't think anyone wants to listen to us talk I for three hours. So. <laughs> so I have no one wants to hear us screaming for three hours. No, I will literally take a picture of my book and post it after the episode is up because there's just so many pretty colored tabs. I have so many things that I just knew that I needed to talk about that I thought were important. And I just think that with this book, this was kind of one of those books for me. And I think it was for you, too. I just felt so much while reading it. And I Absolutely. would rather talk about the things that I felt that I, what I read than completely outline the entire book. Yeah. If that makes I sense. Agree. Yeah. Because the same thing, it wasn't, this wasn't where you have a dystopian novel like The Hunger Games, where the world is completely built up as you're reading. This wasn't really like that. This was more, there was just things constantly happening. <laughs> every yeah. chapter, every two pages, something insane was happening. So. Yeah. It was just and something a lot new of... was revealed. It was just, and not like in a twisty way. No, just something new. Some new viewpoint was expressed, so that something that you knew that had already happened, you're seeing it in a different light. Yes, and you're seeing it sometimes in a positive light, where before it was negative. Like there was just so much that you had to refer back to because things just kept changing and changing as you learned more and more information. And tyranny is just learning new things every single page of this yes. damn book i know and we're and, just along for the ride and there was so many like i had said before there were so many easter eggs like you would read something mm -hmm. and then it would like you said it would come back up later throughout the book and then you have to sit there and reflect on what you read previously mm -hmm. and then let that sit with you with what you just read you barely can because then something else happens no like it is and... just nonstop. hit 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 I literally needed three to five business days to process this book after I finished it. Yeah. Because yeah. it was it was just insane. It was pure insanity. Obviously, we're going to discuss it. But <laughs> if you didn't read this book, pause, go read no. the book, come back. Absolutely. This is a must read. Must. Every, this is definitely a female driven like must read. Yeah. 
Wow. Heather picking a feminist novel. Look how far we've come. Right. Wild. (laughs) (laughs) Next, we will do a cowboy romance. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) I mean, I'm down. (laughs) (laughs) I know, right? So you open the first page of this novel. And you read the first seven sentences and you are just, <laughs> my mind just went poof. I, I couldn't. This is how it starts. It says, no one speaks of the grace year. It's forbidden. We're told we have the power to lure grown men from their beds, make boys lose their minds and drive the wives mad with jealousy. They believe our very skin emits a powerful aphrodisiac, the potent essence of youth, of a girl on the edge of womanhood. That's why we're banished for our 16th year to release our magic into the wild before we're allowed to return to civilization. I mean, imagine. (laughs) So, and then it goes on to say that you can't even talk about the grace here. It's forbidden. Yeah. So everyone who has older sisters or mothers or friends who have been through the grace year they have no idea what it entails because you're forbidden to talk about it yeah and forbidden for real not just like no 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 you'll get in trouble no you'll get taken out to the gallows no or you'll get whipped or you'll get publicly beaten like they're they do not fuck around this they'll is consider you a usurper like punishment. it's crazy yeah yeah this is this is public punishment to to any extent they don't care how young you are, how old you are. Which, by the way, was created by men. This was like, this was decided by like the men of the community that these women can't talk about this and that that they needed to go away. Oh, yeah. You know what I yeah. mean? So again, it's these women's, these young women's lives that's out of their control because grown men are afraid of that they have magic and that they have power. They're afraid that they're not going to be able to keep their dicks in their pants. So they yeah. have to blame it on these younger. These are 16 year old girls, 16 mm-hmm. year old girls. And the fact is, the women are so brainwashed and so afraid to speak about it that even if you're in your home with your sisters, with your family, you still don't talk about it because there could be one of your sisters could turn you in. Someone could overhear. Like they're so scared of this punishment and it's been so drilled into them and they've seen people being hung in the gallows they've seen people being punished in the square that they will not utter a word like yeah it it is it's crazy it is it is and this book is more or less broken up into three separate parts there's it's kind of like it's more or less like a beginning a middle and end Mm -hmm. and then the beginning takes place during one time frame the middle takes place during the grace years and then the ending is when they return home from the grace year Mm-hmm. so you do you, it's the beginning of the book really talks about and i'm gonna read more quotes too it really talks about all these different things that these women cannot do like they're not allowed to dream the women believe it's a way that they can hide their magic they're not allowed <laughs> to dream having dreams would be enough to get me punished but if anyone ever found out what the dreams were about it would mean the gallows like they have to freddy krueger this shit they're like we can't have dreams <laughs> why like why can't a woman dream like that's when i read that i just was mind blown because that's such a common thing everyone has dreams but why can't a, what is the difference if a woman has a dream yeah and like not talking about it okay because they're not allowed to talk about anything i get it but not even allowed to have them mm-hmm. obviously they don't know how dreams work 
No. It's basically the, the men just want to control the society of women and have them only be – to mold them into what they want and that they're only allowed to breed and make men – more men and that's it. Exactly. And if they are not married and breeding men, then they are sent to work either in the mills or their maids or mm -hmm. they have to work in the fields – and we'll get to that when they, you know, when they talk about the veiling and stuff. But I just have to say, I was about 20 pages into this book and I almost text you like, I can't do this. <laughs> I was furious, furious. The The first part is just so rage inducing when yeah. the men are involved because the way that it's written, and this is not just feminist Kelsey going off, like the way that it's written is so disgusting. So the fact that the girls, once they enter their 16th year, which is, you know, their grace year where they're yes. preparing to go to the encampment, all of a sudden the men are allowed to I fuck the shit out of these 16 year old girls. And they're not only allowed, but encouraged to do so because of their age. So the second that she steps out ready to prepare for her grace year, the men are cannot keep their eyes off of her, staring her up and down, making comments to her. I mean, it, like, it's not catcalling. It is, it's so disgusting. And some of these men are like fathers of her classmates. There's um, the freaking priest. That was what I was just going to say. That was the creepiest part when Tierney's walking through the market to go buy the berries or whatever. And the pre the father priest, whatever he is, makes these comments to her. And he's just and she can she describes the way she feels as he's staring at her because he's basically eye fucking her. Like you said, like yeah. he's just yeah. taking her in and because not he's allowed hiding to. It. No, like it's not like a sly little look. No, they are they're visibly looking her up and down mm -hmm. because they say she's at the age where I'm allowed to do that. And then when she comes back from her grace year, then I won't look at her like that anymore because mm -hmm. she'll either be, you know, a servant or she'll be a wife and I won't be allowed to look at her anymore. So I'm going to take advantage of this day where I can just stare at her boobs and not even look in her face. Like a 16-year-old child. Okay. So anyway, so I didn't know if I was going to be able to get through it. Once we got through, once we got rid of the men, yeah, it was a lot easier for me. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> the way that the author wrote the men really made you hate all of them pretty instantaneously. Yeah. And even her father, who we like because he treated tyranny differently than her sisters because she was kind of the boyish one the rebel the tomboy so he taught her about hunting and gathering and all these things that women aren't really or girls aren't really supposed to know about but then she says a little tidbit that she actually doesn't respect her father because she thinks that he's been buying things off the black market and sleeping with the women in the outskirts and cheating on her mom so that he can have a son. So even that one man who we're supposed to kind of be rooting for, we're not allowed to begin. No, no. <laughs> it's, she kind of has this, she paints this picture of all these people in Tierney's life that Tierney can find so many negatives about them. Mm -hmm. So she's constantly dreaming about this girl she has this girl shows up she's like a reoccurring dream that Tierney's had she's constantly shows up throughout the book there's a mysterious red flower 
that the girl's always either holding, it's in her hair or wherever it is. There's always, there's a lot of symbolism that you can tell just from like the beginning of when she's describing this, mm-hmm. this dream that she's having. And it seems like the girl that she's dreaming about is almost trying to like lead Tyranny to a, a rebellion, to to mm-hmm. to go against the grace here, to go against what the women stand for, what the men are making the women stand for, and to, you know, be better and to kind of be your own person. But she doesn't understand why she keeps dreaming about this. She thinks she doesn't know if it's her magic, if she, her in parentheses, her magic, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, like she doesn't know what it is, but she's always, always dreaming about this. And her sister, June, kind of like knows what she's dreaming about, but, you know, she doesn't really talk about it much because like you said, they're not allowed to talk about that kind of stuff. And like her mm-hmm. mom can't know that she's dreaming. Nobody and can know that she's dreaming. Dreaming of a rebellion, she would go straight to the gallows yeah she thinks that she recognizes the girl like not recognizes but she has like a sense of deja vu when she sees her because they have the same eye yes Mm -hmm. so she wonders if she's like i wonder if this is my dad is out here sowing his seed with the women who are outside of the county Mm -hmm. and maybe i have some long lost sister that i don't know about and he just abandoned her because she wasn't a boy yeah and the only person that actually, I, I take the back, the only person that knows about her dreams is her best friend, Michael Welk. He, mm-hmm. She's like the only one that she's ever really shared this with. This is just a boy that she's grown up with. He's the same age as her. He's also 16. And she just feels, she feels, it's it's so equivalent to Gail and Katniss. Like it really. Was just thinking the, that. The. The significant, like the similarities in Tierney to Katniss and Gail to Michael, it all just, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of similarities, but not, not like she took it from it because they're they're definitely very much different, but it's just, it's easy to kind of compare it to that. So, so what Gail was to Katniss is what Michael was to Tierney. It was her best friend. And it's also the, the unnaturalness of it. Like, yeah, it's not normal for a 16 year old girl to still be hanging out with a boy like it makes sense for them to have been friends when they were younger Mm -hmm. but everyone thinks it's weird that they're still friends when she's on the brink of her womanhood so they think that you know if she's hanging out with a boy then there's something else going on and she's like no like he's literally just my best friend because i've known him since Mm -hmm. we were little so no one really understands their relationship and so now that they're entering their grace year, they they have what's called the veiling day. And basically, there's 12 eligible boys in Garner County. And they're born boys that are born to families that have standing and position. And there's 33 eligible girls. So only 12 of these 16-year-old girls are going to get chosen by a 16-year-old boy to spend the rest of their life together. <laughs> Yes. Oh, and they have no say in it. <laughs> no. The girls no. have no say in it no, whatsoever. No. no. And you had touched briefly on this, but I did highlight that this is what it says in the book, that today we're expected to parade around town, giving the boys one last viewing before they join the men in the main barn to trade and barter our fates like cattle, which isn't that far off considering we're branded at birth on the bottom of our foot with our father's sigil. Bruh. <laughs> I almost threw my book across the room. <sighs> They're branded okay. because yep. they are literal property yes. of these men. And now they're yes. bartering to become property of a new man. Uh-huh. And they have and no say whatsoever. No, 
because when all claims have been made, our fathers will deliver the veils to the awaiting girls at the church, silently placing the gauzy monstrosities on the chosen one's head. And tomorrow morning, when we're all lined up in the square to leave for our grace year, each boy will lift the veil of the girl of his choosing as a promise of marriage, while the rest of us will be completely dispensable. <laughs> a promise of marriage. If they make it back, if they make it from back. their grace here, yes. so they if they kind of frame it as like these girls who get a veil have something more to look forward to, aka something more to live for when they go to their grace here. So it's like more of a motivation for them to do what they're supposed to do, get rid of their magic, mm-hmm. come back alive, so that they can be wives and start pumping out some babies. Yeah, and. Basically, if you're not chosen for a veil, you're kind of given these jobs throughout the town, like working in the fields. Yeah. And there's also even that there's like a a hierarchy of coveted jobs, which would be like a a maid or someone in the home, because at least you, you know, get to be in the homes of these wealthy people. The least coveted is being out in the fields, which that's Tyranny's goal. She wants to be out in the fields so that she can be one with nature, even though it's like hard, laborious work, it's hard on your body. She thinks that I'm strong, that's going to be the best thing for me. And I'll have, even though that these girls have absolutely no freedom, at least being outside with nature, she feels like she'll have some semblance of freedom just because she can look at the sky. Like that's, yeah. that's what we're working towards here. Yeah. And so her best friend, Michael, is now going to be He's basically going to be the head of council. And so yeah. she requests, she she sees him the day before, the right before the, the veiling is going to happen. And she says, you know, can you just do me a favor and just let me, let me just do, she wants to work in the fields. She wants to, yeah. like you said, she wants to just do her own thing. And it's good, honest work. And she wants to be able to stare up the sky anytime she wants, like you said. Mm-hmm. And... And he has the power to decide that. Yes. Because he's also like thrown off about this. He's like shook. Yeah. (laughs) Which he shouldn't be. Like you've been hanging out with this girl for years. You guys are always in the fields together, climbing trees and shit, like roughhousing. Like you kind of should understand that. But he's kind of like, you know, no, I don't want you to do that. And then kind of gives he, I think he was going to explain why, but then Tierney was just so brusque with him and was like walked off it was like no like i'm was just irritated with him so that kind of yeah this is like a, a very bit. a weird interaction because yeah. you don't you have no idea what was left unsaid and mm-hmm. who was who was mad at who and it, yeah. it was very weird yeah it was <laughs> it was so then she's walking through town and there was another thing that says, she says, I stopped to watch the horses in the paddock being groomed by the guards for the journey to the encampment, their manes and tails braided with red ribbons, just like us. And it occurs to me, that's how they think of us. We're nothing more than in-season mares for breeding. Accurate. Yes. Accurate. Accurate. This whole <laughs> weird thing with the ribbons. I know. I know. And then it introduces, though, this other character that becomes important throughout the book. He's a guard named Hans. And she she met she's known him since she was seven. And you're not really supposed to again, the girls aren't supposed to really be conversing with anyone either, especially like a guard. But he's kind of like taken tyranny under his wing for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. But what's interesting is that if you choose to become a guard, you get your dick cut off. (laughs) Yeah, it's like they'll let you stay around the women 
but you can't be susceptible to their magic because because your dick dick. was cut off so you you won't you're not you won't be threatened by their womanhood yeah Yeah. so they have this weird connection because she saw him the day that his dick got cut off yeah because her dad is a is like the doctor of the county Mm -hmm. and so she sees it as like she saw him in this very vulnerable state and they kind of bonded after that Mm -hmm. and she went over and like held his hand when he expected her to like run away screaming because it was probably grotesque and scary and instead she she was you know she had sympathy for him and she like comforted him so that's how they have this like weird connection yeah and he was in love with someone that was during her grace year she never made it back so mm-hmm. like he's just heartbroken. He's like, I'll never like love again. And I'm just, you know, blah, blah, blah. Woe is me. Yeah. <laughs> so there's um another big part of the book is the apothecary, which is also where Michael's dad works. And in the apothecary, in a secret cabinet, are jars of women parts, like ears and stuff like that. No, no, no. Girl parts. Girl parts, Heather. sorry. Girl parts. These are parts of the Gracier girls. Yeah. So we you find out about two throughout the book, but there's also these thing these men called poachers that stalk the Gracier girls when they're in the camp for the year and they basically try to hunt them and cut off their body parts, skin them, do whatever they want because they of their they think that they're they can sell their magic on the black market. The whole thing is screwed up. Mm-hmm. The whole thing is screwed up. Yeah. The whole concept. Yeah, so the apothecary sells these body parts that then people are buying for vitality vitality basically like they're buying it as like a a serum to keep them young that they think that there's magic from these girls that they can basically suck up from themselves yeah Mm -hmm. it it makes a lot of sense to me they're buying ears of children who died when they were 16 and then they're I don't know what they're doing with the actual ears, but I guess they're drinking the potion that the ear is in. I'm unclear exactly how the body parts work, but... No, I don't really know either. And, like, <laughs> that definitely didn't make any sense. And then what they do is when the women are waiting, they're all the women are then just locked in a chapel together. <laughs> just locked in a chapel during the veiling because they're waiting for, you know, their father to come in to... Put a veil on them and imagine this imagine the energy in this chapel first of all these girls are either thinking that they're you know they're waiting for a veil or knowing that they're not going to get a veil they're with all these other girls that they know they're going to leave to go to their grace here with they know that they're going to end up turning on each other yeah like and they're not allowed to talk about what's going to happen so it's just it's chaos like i'm surprised that they're not turning on each other already, which I guess they kind of do, but with words, not with actual violence. Yeah, because there's definitely mean girls in this book. Oh, yeah. A lot of mean girls. So basically, the the fathers start filing in one after another, putting the veils on their daughters, and Tierney is shook because her dad walks in with the last veil, and she's like, no. I didn't want to, she didn't think she was going to get chosen because like, like we've said, she's a tomboy. She's not really, none of the boys look at her in that way. Like they do the other girls. So she was already assuming that she was going to be, no matter what, she was going to be considered dispensable and she was going to be doing something 
aside from being a wife. But her dad comes in and she's like, who the fuck chose me? And she was very upset about it. And she thinks that the only possible person who could choose her is this like bloodthirsty, demented dude who's obsessed with, with birds, training wild birds and <laughs> yeah. then killing them. Yeah. So that's yeah, Tommy Pearson. She thinks because the way that he she had seen him earlier in the square and he was kind of like looking at her and making comments and stuff. And then his mom was making comments about her when they were in the church. Mm-hmm. So she just automatically assumes that it's Tommy Pearson. And so she's because she thinks that he he would be the one to choose her because she's like a wild bird who he would then tame, Mm -hmm. break and basically, you know, bend her to his will. So she's like, wow, this is even worse than I could possibly imagine. Exactly. And so before the official veiling day where you find out who chose you, she has like a conversation with her mom and This is kind of like one of those situations that you reflect back on. But her mom says, you know, trust no one, not even yourself. Your dreams are the only safe place for you, which is funny and ironic because you're not supposed to talk about your dreams Mm -hmm. and everything. But her mom kind of like brings them up and she sees that her her mom's lips are berry stained. She thinks they're blood stained. She thinks her mom is drinking the vials from the apothecary and she's trying Mm -hmm. to, like, you know, taste the youth. Yeah, we hate the mom. We hate yeah. the mom at this point because also there's it's not like a main plot point, but there's there's a part that day where a woman is brought to the gallows and hang mm-hmm. for something that she's done. And Tyranny's mom is one of the first women to run up and shun her and spit on her and shove yeah. her and ridicule her. So so we hate the mom. Like we she's fully immersed in this women hating women environment that has been created by the men yeah exactly and i but i think that's that's kind of like the beginning of the book is you just hate everybody because Mm -hmm. the next person you hate is michael because michael's the one that chose tyranny (laughs) michael's the one that gave her a veil bitch and and tyranny's like what the actual fuck like and so but here's the thing tyranny thinks that he's doing it because she said she wants to work in the fields and so he's trying to save her and then she's like confused. A, like a pity thing? Yeah. And she's confused because he was supposed to choose Kirsten, like the top tier girl of the of the choices. And she's Regina George. She's she's Regina George. And, you know, Kirsten and Michael were in the meadows together. A lot of the times the, the kids go in the meadows and they're hooking up, basically, is what it is. And they're yeah. being before that before any of this this things happen. So she's seen him with Kirsten. So she had always assumed that his choice was going to be Kirsten. But then and she finds everyone out everyone said it. Because in the chapel everyone was like, Oh, Kirsten, can can't you not wait for Michael to choose you tomorrow? Yeah. yeah but then Kirsten got chosen by Tommy Pearson, the crazy bird guy. But <laughs> but then like she finds out that Michael's been in love with her this whole time. And she just had zero clue. Which I was so pissed. I was yeah. like, fuck you, Michael. You're supposed to be on our side. You were because he was the only one that she trusted with her dreams, which to be fair, she didn't tell him everything. And she did leave out details because she's still in the back of her mind. She's like, at any time he could turn on me. Like, no matter how much I trust him, I can't trust anyone 100 percent. So she mm-hmm. she still did hold back from him a little bit. But he was the one person who fully knew that she didn't want to get married, that she didn't want this future where she's just pumping out heirs and sons and, you know, making a 
being a housewife, she wanted to go to work. And she specifically told him, I want to work in the fields. Yeah. So they all find out who they're, who chose the women that the girls that got veils, they find out who chose them. And then after that, they're immediately sent to their grace year. So as they're leaving to go to their grace year, coming back into the, the Garner County is the girls from the previous year. So it's just, like it's like again it's like cattle they're just bringing them in and bringing them back yeah. out <laughs> i thought that was a wild yeah detail to put in there that like the exact time that they're coming back and they're looking at them broken and emaciated and you know just looking battle worn and some of them are missing like they are yeah. head counting to see how many people didn't make it back yeah and as they are heading out there's during that time, they got they walk through the outskirts, they travel through the outskirts to get to their encampment where they're going to live for the year. And during that time is also where there's the fear of being snatched by a poacher. So they're always mm-hmm. the guard. They have guards with them that are protecting them to to bring them to this to the encampment. But there's still that fear that they're going to get some a poacher's going to grab them and they're mm-hmm. going to lure them into the woods and then they're going to to kill them. So. Yeah, because no one knows how the poachers get the gr- because you're not allowed to talk about the grace no, here. You're not so allowed no, to talk one about knows, it. no one knows how the poachers lure them. Like if they do some, you know, how are they getting them away from the group? How are they getting them off the trail? And then once they get to the encampment, how are they getting them out of the encampment? Mm-hmm. Like the mm-hmm. that's kind of this unknown that they don't understand because no one's been allowed to tell them. No. And as you're doing this journey to the encampment, there's talk of if you take your own life or if you're not taken by a poacher, then there's this weird, weird clause conception that mm-hmm. your leftover family and sisters have to your family is shunned to the outskirts if you don't yeah. if you don't go through this year and get rid of your magic and you take your life into your own hands, because again, it's all about control. Mm-hmm. then your family and somehow going by a poacher and being skinned and having your body parts is okay is an acceptable it's way okay. to die yeah like, that's okay because there is as a girl long as you don't take your own life or they don't like lose your body somehow mm-hmm. or burn your body or whatever yeah because there is a girl that as they're traveling she had been filling her cloak with rocks and she drowns herself and at the end of the book her younger sister gets sent to the outskirts because mm-hmm that was that's the punishment because she took her own life so it's just absolutely crazy so that's always in the back because tyranny has two younger sisters Mm -hmm. so the whole time like everything that she's doing in the encampment she keeps saying i have to think of my sisters because whatever i do it's going to reflect back on them yeah which is they would literally be punished if i made the wrong decision Mm mm-hmm so, like, the traveling to the encampment is pretty, like, uneventful. She thinks that she sees – she's th- thinking that she's seeing the girl that she's been seeing in her dreams or she's trying to – she sees flowers. And so, like, her mind is constantly thinking that, you know, she's trying to find her half-sister, whoever this girl is, in the outskirts. Uh, and during the travel, she ends up off the beaten path. She's not with anyone anymore. And she ends up being caught by a poacher. And then the poacher lets her go. <laughs> like holds a blade to her throat. Yeah. And then just poof, he's gone. And so she's able to get back. So then that's kind of 
you're interested you're intrigued by that initially yeah because you're like what's that about yeah like are they just playing with their food at that point yeah exactly are they doing it because they didn't take her when i think she rationalizes it as well i didn't come into my magic yet so Mm -hmm. he won't the poacher won't get the best price for my body parts Yes. So they have to wait until we're in the encampment and then take us. Mm-hmm. Yes. So they Which, like, okay. I know. Wild, crazy, all of it. It's just crazy. It makes sense. They get to the camp and the guards. It seems like, so the camp to me and how, I don't, I don't know, I don't know how you envisioned it, but how I envisioned it is it's just, there's just like, they're just put in like this wooded area that's just enconced by a, a very tall fence. Like a fence made of very tall trees that are yeah. like nailed together. Yeah, like there's just it was it was just like this whole camp that was. But created. it's also it's like I pictured it as it's surrounded by woods, but then there's like the common area in the middle where they have all their supplies, yes. where they have the lodge where they sleep because they don't go into the woods because no. not only are there poachers, there's also ghosts of the dead Gracier girls in the woods who can lure you into the woods to your death. And if you die in the woods, then your body won't make it back and yes. your family will be punished. So another, that's a yes, another layer. Another, I know. So outside of the fence are all the poachers and inside mm-hmm. are the ghosts. <laughs> mm-hmm. And then inside, inside, aka where you're sleeping, are the other girls that you're trapped yes. with. <laughs> yes, so... who are all basically going psycho and trying yeah. to like kill everyone off so there's there's threats everywhere and there's there's and that's literally what it and that's what makes this like hunger games it's just there's this constant you there's this constant threat for your life and you don't know mm-hmm. what each day is going to bring and if you are going to survive or not and while mm-hmm. the smarter thing to do would be to band together and try to survive this they all just one by one just turn on each other mm-hmm. and then you have mm-hmm. the ringleader of the group kirsten who is a total this bitch, bitch Oof. and she's immediately she came into her magic took seconds now she's she says that she's the reason that the girl took her own life yeah she said look what i, I made, made her, her do. do yeah so she takes every opportunity Bitch, that she can to one-up everybody and make it seem like she's the um, that she's the alpha of the group and so everyone needs to oh, like yeah. fall in line and listen to her and mm-hmm. Tierney automatically sees the game that she's playing but mm-hmm. she also wonders because she doesn't know if the magic thing is real or not she also sometimes mm-hmm. wonders if maybe it is real and that when Kirsten's saying yeah. is true but there is still that rational part of her where she's realizing that no Kirsten's just trying to take control and Mm -hmm. be this terrible human being that she is and it's also we learn magic aside and threats aside the relationship between the girls just as 16 year old girls we find out that tyranny all this time she was judging all these girls from afar because she was judging them for wanting to be married or wanting certain jobs after their grace year or basically wanting to be a part of this horrible society that these men have built and she thought that she was invisible to these other girls and they didn't realize that she they just ignored her and she was just you know thinking what she was thinking but all along they knew that she was judging them and they thought that she was snobby they thought that she was a bitch like they're like 
we know who you are and we hate you because we know that you don't like us. Yeah. So Tierney's... she thought she was like under the radar, but she yeah, wasn't. Tierney, she's automatically kind of thought of as an outsider, especially as time goes on. In the beginning, she tries to, she tries to rationalize with them and say, you know, we can survive this. We, you know, I know how to build a water trough. I, I, I can do all of these things so that because there is a well there. But then when mm-hmm. they pull the bucket up, it's full of like this green sh- stuff and it, it mm-hmm. looks gross and and everything. And so she's like, you know, we can build a community here that will help us survive. But of course, Kirsten's like, no, like rain buckets and a washing table yeah. and a cooking table, like normal yeah. things to have a society. And she recognizes that she needs to stay out of Kirsten's way. But the fact is, she already has the target on her back because Michael yeah. chose her. And oh, Kirsten I know that's Michael. the biggest thing. Now she yeah. already she already had a target on her back in a sense, but now it's it's bullseye because mm-hmm. the Kirsten's guy chose her and not. Mm-hmm. And so, so even it's... if she's being rational and she has all these great ideas, and some of the girls she is able to convince to help her. Kirsten's never going to go along with it. She can mm-hmm. have the best idea in the world. Kirsten's going to do the exact opposite. And then are we going to talk about the punishment tree? Because That's actually what I was just going to have that next. It was it was saying that uh, so one of the girls points out a gnarled limbs of tree. It takes me a moment to put it together like a vile jigsaw. It's not rust. It's blood. And they're not Yule ornaments. They're fingers, toes, ears, braids of all shades and textures affixed to the tree. It's a punishment tree. Just like the one they have in the square, but this one's real. So <laughs> in the middle of their camp, in the middle, showing body parts of previous Gracier girls who yep. have, this is how they've handled their own society mm-hmm. by punishing each other. Yeah. And there's like all these unspoken rules of this Gracier camp. So the only way, so the girls, every girl's hair is braided with the ribbon, the mm-hmm. red ribbon. And so, the only way that you can let your braid out and take off your ribbon is if you ha- you have to claim your magic and then you can it's remove Kirsten's your braid. Role. Yes, because the girls try to because then Kirsten pulls her out because oh she claimed her magic. Look at all this shit mm-hmm. she made all these people do, and so other girls try and she was like, no, you didn't claim your magic yet. Yeah, because the hair is like a very big thing. Like no one is allowed to see the girls with their hair down ever except their husbands once they get married so they always have to have their hair braided and then the ribbons the color signifies where you are in your life so like as a child they have the white ribbon grace here they have the red ribbon and then once they get married they get a black ribbon yep yeah so it's just this crazy there's all these crazy rules and then as we said kirsten kind of creates this clan and eventually turns everyone against tyranny the things that tyranny's been building she'll go out the next day it'll be broken or it'll be Mm -hmm. missing and she knows kirsten's behind it and then slowly the girls are just kind of kind of losing their minds Mm -hmm. and they think it's kirsten's convincing them that they're coming into their magic or forcing them in some ways yeah to claim their magic like where she makes the one girl strip down and start howling she's yeah. like didn't you say that you your mm-hmm. family lineage can talk to animals mm-hmm. and then she just makes her start howling and the girl is like yeah i i totally hear the wolves and she's like take your hair down girl you came into your magic like what <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So there's she Tierney can't understand what's happening, but she sees that like along with the dizzy spells, the loss of appetite, the double vision, it seemed like their irises were disappearing, soft black eroding away any color, any light. I kept thinking it was just exhaustion or maybe some kind of illness passing through the camp. But the more I tried to make sense of it, the worse things seemed to get. And as the full moon drew near, we bled all of us at the same time, like a pack of wolves, which is wild. (laughs) I mean, like they were just synced up. We get it. But also she's seeing that it's more than just, yeah, we're all going stir crazy because we're stuck in this encampment. Like there's something physically happening to change all of us yeah exactly and kirsten basically is just continuously trying to turn every single girl against tyranny she doesn't want she basically wants tyranny to be i think she wants her dead obviously that's a given Mm -hmm. she would rather her just not be there but she wants to have fun with her first she does kirsten's not a not a quick death type of gal no and during so there's a girl named Gertrude who's kind of like a big character in the book. She back in back in camp a couple years ago, there was which was like also crazy, basically like a dirty lithograph they call it, which is like a picture of something mm-hmm. and it was Kirsten's, but Gertrude took the blame for it and you're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to look at those kind of things. You're not allowed to. You're not allowed to like girls. It's all this stuff that's against the laws of Garner County. And so she gets like beaten. Like her hand, her hands get beaten, and she has like yeah. gnarled knuckles. And then she's constantly called like dirty Gertie. And every she used to be like best friends with Kirsten, but now she's not anymore. And Kirsten's fucking with her too. Like Kirsten just mm-hmm. fuck with anybody. Mm-hmm. She just doesn't. But then she so. Gertie and Tyranny kind of become friends yes. because they're the outcasts. Almost like an and alliance. Then, they're kind exactly, of like aligned yeah. together to survive. But then Kirsten realizes the best way that I can get to Tyranny is through Gertrude. So she does a little sweet talk and starts talking to her about her magic and says, you know, I forgive you. I want to be best friends again and everything is great. And because... I'm going to say it's because of their diminished mental state yeah. that Gertie just hops on this train real quick. Yeah. She's like, no, she said she's sorry. We're best friends again. Like, Tierney, you should come and get to know her. She's actually pretty cool. And you're just like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. It's it's just, it's crazy. And you obviously can tell that something is wrong. And you, and you can understand why Tierney's questioning this and why she thinks she's losing her sanity. Because the girls truly are going psychotic. And mm-hmm. they're willing to harm each other and take body parts off of each other. Like at one point, mm-hmm. Kirsten like scalps Gert- Gertrude. Like, yeah, just just fucking scalps her, her. just to like hurt Tierney for Exa- some weird. I know reason. exactly, and it's a like, Kirsten's total goal here is just to be an evil person, but really mm-hmm. just completely mess with Tierney. Mm-hmm. And, and then eventually, know- she gets cast out. Yeah, because eventually, like, I I don't, I'm trying to remember the exact reason, but she basically makes Tyranny go into the woods. Mm-hmm. And it was, was it to I claim her magic she was, or she did what it was? I think it was because she was standing up for, because it was the same time around where she got scalped. So I think yeah. it's because she was trying to stand up for Gertie and trying to, like, face off against kirsten and actually step to her and kirsten was like nah you're out of here so tyranny runs into the woods because she knows that if she stays 
Kirsten's going to kill her. And Kirsten's like, if you come back, you're dead. So now you get to stay in the woods. Yeah. And so when she's in the woods, like she's able to, she luckily for her, because she kind of has survival instincts from her father. Mm -hmm. So she kind of has almost an upper hand, but she ends up finding like a spring with fresh water which she wrote calls back to her mother always telling her like the the best water is always from like the high springs like the top of the springs mm-hmm. but then when she's up there she basically finds this grave of these of this of this girl just mm-hmm. laid to rest full set of bones full set of bones with the red ribbon right she her red ribbon was there too wasn't it yep. i believe it was yep and so <laughs> Now she's wondering if the girl, these bones are also the girl from her dream. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She's like, she has no idea what's happening. And no. she's struggling because yeah. her survival instincts are only going so far. And then winter hits and it's freezing cold and all she has is her cloak. Yeah. And then she realizes that her sister who handmade this cloak for her. This was one of my favorite parts of the book. I loved this, but it happened. So in her cloak, she had sown hundreds and hundreds of seed mm-hmm. for her to plant a garden, but she doesn't find them until the winter. Yeah. So she's clawing at the frozen ground, trying to plant. She's like, I don't even know if these, you know, will grow because of the cold. And then some weird like landslide happens. Yeah, because it's half Eve. of the dirt goes away. Because it's like yes. it's like the ghost of Eve or whatever it is tempting, you know, because because Kirsten puts it in their heads too that the Eve is, you know, gonna come for them if they don't do what they're supposed to do. And so now she's yes. Eve because every time there's thunder, that's Eve. <laughs> Yeah. So they have this whole thing because this is what the men in the in the county have also told them, like, the reason that the women have to get rid of their magic is because all of that time ago, Eve, the temptress, that's what she did. She used her magic to tempt Adam. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, the whole religious thing, of course. And so they do bring up Eve every time there's a storm. It's Eve talking to them and it's Eve communicating with them or Eve punishing them. And so, yeah, she thinks that Eve causes this landslide to ruin all of her seeds. Yes. And which, and then so, and so she loses them all. She Mm -hmm. basically loses all of the seeds. So they're just, they're just gone. And she hears a scream from the, from the main camp. And her immediate thought is that it's Gertrude. And she's like, I have to go save Gertrude. Like something is going on. But it turns out that it's, they're just, again, she just walks out of the clearing and the girls are just stumbling around, twirling around, dancing. It's pure, it's pandemonium. Like they're on acid. it's, It's like they're all possessed. It's truly like they're all possessed. And the one girl is basically on the ground convulsing she's not doing great and so kirsten is like i'm just gonna get rid of her so she's like open the gate let's give her basically let's give her to the poachers she's just so that but she she says so that her family yeah can have like so that she She deserves an honorable death there you go yes so this is this is an honorable death sending a friend of yours out to be basically skinned alive because that's what the Mm -hmm. poachers do and they've heard rumors they don't know for sure because they're not allowed to talk about the grace here but they've heard rumors that the poachers kill them as slowly as possible because it makes their magic more potent Mm -hmm. so the slower they die the more valuable their body parts are going to be 
Yes. Which, wowity wow. Whoever let that lie catch on, I'm impressed. I don't know. But, and the one thing I had forgotten to say was that before she comes back, she gets to the edge of, like, the of the the fence on the other side of the encampment. And there's, like, a hole there. Mm-hmm. So she, you know, and she looks through the hole and it's the same poacher. It's just, like, staring there at her. Like, he's, like, breathing mm-hmm. heavily, by the way, is what it says. And she's like, you won't hurt me. And then he, like, sticks his blade in and, like, ticks her in the chin. <laughs> yeah. And she's, like, gushing blood and she's like, oh, shit. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. So the, this important part is that because she knows that there's this hole in the fence. Mm-hmm. Because when she came back from the uh, – to go see what was screaming, Kirsten, like, rams – an axe through her arm through tyranny's just arm because everyone's like oh is that a ghost like because everyone sees tyranny like oh is that tyranny's back like is she a ghost did she die and kirsten's like well everyone knows ghosts don't bleed so all we have to do is and then she just stumbles forward and like stabs tyranny in the fucking arm with an axe with an axe with a full ass axe and so she goes flying back through the woods because now she's like great now i'm gonna be murdered by these girls Mm -hmm. and she gets out she goes through the the hole that's in the fence but she's also being chased by somebody and one of the other girls because they're just all they're all psychotic they don't know what's they're just all obsessed and so meg chases her out and she goes under the under the the fence and meg gets poached instantaneously But and she can hear her screaming and hear her blood gurgling and it's yes. very not YA. Yeah. But okay. No, exactly, which is what makes this weird. <laughs> and then the same poacher that appeared a couple times throughout the book ends up capturing Tierney and takes her to But not before she tries to end oh, yes. her own life. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. By drowning herself under the ice. Mm-hmm. And she she's struggling with it. First of all, she thinks she's going to bleed out because she literally has an axe wound. She has yes. an axe sticking out of her shoulder. Yeah. And then she pulls said axe out and she's just bleeding out. And she's like, but if I drown in this water, then they'll punish my sisters. But maybe the girl in my dream is telling me that this is how I have to die. This is the way I have to go out so that I don't know. She's she's got a lot of blood lost. Okay, so yeah. her brain is not fully going on all cylinders, and so she slams down on the ice, goes underneath it, and is drowning, trapped under the ice. And the poacher pulls Saves her, her out, yeah, and captures her because she thinks it's because he wants to take her, you know, for obvious reasons that he wants her 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 body parts and skin and everything so that he can make a lot of money and. <laughs> And everything. So she's in this tree house with him for days. She doesn't know what she doesn't know where she is because she's, she's in and out of consciousness. In and out of consciousness because she's been she has a massive she's had massive blood loss. She she has this huge wound that's basically going that's basically untreated for the most part. Mm-hmm. And she has infection. She said that she heard the maggots. Mm-hmm wriggling and she she in her wound and she could smell death and like she knew it was her and it Mm -hmm. was so (laughs) so eventually she kind of in and out he's like yeah every time she wakes up he's like taking care of her Mm -hmm. and she thinks that he's just yeah getting her better so that he can then kill her yeah that's the whole thing too and she also thinks that he's doing this too because like he wants to he's trying to figure out the best way to 
to do everything. She finds like a, a diagram of like her body parts in like a journal and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. So eventually so she's, she's like, he wants to fix me first so that my skin is intact for him to then skin me alive. Yeah. And so eventually she comes to enough that she can have a conversation with him. And he was, and she basically, and he, so he, she only thing she can see is his eyes. His face is covered by like the shroud. So mm-hmm. I guess that's like the equivalent to like a ninja thing. I don't know. That's like my assumption. That's yeah. kind of what I was envisioning. Yeah. And so he eventually, she eventually like questions him, like, you know, why are you doing this? And he's like, I knew who you were as soon as I saw your eyes. You have the same eyes. And her first thought is the girl from her dreams. She was like, Mm -hmm. you know who she is. And he was like, he's like, what girl? He was like, no, your father. You have his eyes. And then she comes to find out that her dad's been going to the outskirts to treat the people that live out there. Yeah. That are sick. Like, because he's a doctor, he's going out there to treat them. Yeah. So this is... This is, like, the he first, also, like, revelation for her. The big, first big revelation, by the way. Yes, because she thought that he was going out there to get some, you know, to get his dick wet and to maybe make a son, when really he's out there helping the people of his own accord. And these people on the outskirts are regular people who've been cast out because of, you know, whatever, they, whatever they've done, whatever their family has done, but they're basically treated like they're, you know, just complete vermin like they're lepers like it's just horrible the way they talk about them and he's out there trying to treat them and with the the shroud he never uncovers himself when she's awake yeah because we find out that the poachers they can't just go into the camp and grab the girls because they think that the girl's magic will poison them. Mm-hmm. So they won't uncover themselves around the girls. They have to keep their bodies covered with these shrouds, even when they're poaching and cutting them up and everything, so that they don't catch whatever magic disease they give to the poachers, because several of the poachers have died in the past after they've been in contact with the Gracier girls. Yeah. And so her first thought is well her first thought is are we like relations it was like are we brother and sister (laughs) and he's like so grossed out by this he was like no he's like your father's not like that like he's a good man and she was like what do you you know like what do you mean and he said like he treats the women of the outskirts and the children like he's like he saved my best friend and he was like that's why i'm saving you because i'm you know made a deal with your dad that in exchange for for him saving my best friend i would spare you if i had the chance so Mm -hmm. her dad is out here making deals (laughs) making deals for her life but then she's like okay you saved me at what point does your Uh deal run out yeah like okay so you're gonna nurse me back to health and then just let me out of this treehouse to run free so the other poachers can get me like she doesn't know the extent of this deal because she's just now seeing her dad in this new light and she's like oh my god I'm seeing this now when I'm here and I can't face to face talk to him and basically like apologize for being such a bitch to him because she thought that he was this horrible person. I know. Turns out he wasn't. No, because then it's also he also is struggling with, again, like when does the deal end for him as well? Mm -hmm. He can't really Mm -hmm. put like a price on it either. But there were so this she's basically in the treehouse with this poacher for a very long time. And the story between them just keeps building and building. They build this kind of rapport 
which you wouldn't really expect, obviously, because mm-hmm. you're our, we're he, still thinking as the reader, still thinking that he's going to do something to her. Because of the diagram. The diagram has yes. me thinking he's cutting her up. Yeah. But during the conversations, he's slowly opening up to her and she's getting this new information. So she finds out that the poachers are not working off their own accord. Mm-hmm. The county pays them for bringing back the dead girls so it's not just the apothecary that wants the pieces of the dead girls the county actually pays them for bringing back the dead gracier Mm -hmm. girls so she she realizes that it's completely full circle and that the county is controlling absolutely everything even something that they thought was this like rogue operation to kill the the gracier girls no it's of course all controlled by the county yeah, and she questions like, and you bring it up to like the notebook. She she says like, you fulfilled your promise to my father many times over because he's actually saved her life like multiple times throughout her time in the treehouse because she's on the brink of death still for a good chunk of time. And she's like, why haven't you killed me or just let me die? And he's like, I keep asking myself the same question, but when I saw you on the ice, you looked so, and she was like helpless. And he's like, no, defiant. (laughs) He was like, you struck the ice with that axe. It was one of the bravest things I've ever seen. (laughs) And I just, I just loved that. I was like out of my mind at that time. I know. But, but I just really, really liked that, that he was like, I couldn't do it. Like, he's like, you've just, he, he's so perplexed by her. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he's also he also believes in the magic too, and so he's also yes. nervous about her too. You and know, so he she really starts know. talking openly to him, half because she's like feverish and doesn't know what she's saying, and half because she starts to build this kind of trust with him. And there's this part where she's in and out of sickness; she's about to fall back asleep. She's you know laying down like can barely keep her eyes open and she says in the county there's nothing more dangerous than a woman who speaks her mind that's what happened to eve you know why we were cast out from heaven we're dangerous creatures full of devil charm if given the opportunity we'll use our magic to lure the men to sin to evil to destruction that's why they send us here he says to rid yourself of your magic no i whisper to break us so i have the part two tabbed (laughs) they both they both believe he believes in the magic and she is slowly starting to put the pieces together and she still is not 100 percent convinced that the magic doesn't exist she doesn't think that's why the girls are all going nuts she Mm -hmm. she's still kind of like unclear on the magic part but she knows that the whole point is to lure them out there and completely break them down yeah and the fact that she's saying that to him when he also believes that and he has the power to kill her because of that shows that not only does she trust him but she also was not watching what she was saying which is no something that she had done her entire life yeah and then eventually he does she keeps asking him like what's your name like what's your name like he won't tell her and then eventually he's like it's Riker. So you find out the poacher's name is Riker. And then also he eventually you does. You just rem- know this guy is hot as fuck. You oh, just I know. know. Because then well, he the name the like sh- Riker. He removes the shroud and she was like, oh, <laughs> like, like I like, shouldn't oh, be. Damn. She like, she even says like, I think there's something that, like she like, she finds him attractive and she's like, I shouldn't be finding this man attractive, but mm-hmm. I do find him mm-hmm. attractive. She's like, this man is literally going to skin me, but he's hot. <laughs> yeah. So 
now we're you're put in this precarious situation with Riker and Tierney, and as their story unfolds, it kind of becomes like a Romeo and Juliet situation. Star-crossed lovers escalates <laughs> it so does. fast. All of a sudden, like, yeah. Because half the time she's up there, she's not even conscious. And no. then all of a sudden, they are madly in love. Yeah. So Anders, the best friend who her dad saved, shows up a couple times and yes. he's like Riker my dude you're missing all the dead all these girls. women like, all these dead girls all these like girls are dying where have you been I need, I need you out here man I need you to help me kill some kill some grace here girls and he keeps making excuses and and then finally Anders makes his way up he just comes up without an invitation he's like I'm gonna find out why Riker isn't out here helping me and Riker puts a knife to Anders, his best friend, basically his family, puts a knife to his neck and says he will die before he lets anyone hurt Tierney. Yeah. Say what now? Mm-hmm. You 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 drew a diagram of her <laughs> body parts and what you were going to do with them, my dude, and not in a hot way. But I think I don't know because when I think back to that scene, like in that written the book, I don't know if he was doing it because he because wa- he doesn't want to poach. Like he doesn't want to. She this. asks him, and he says, "I had to plan just in case you didn't beat your sickness." So he's yeah. like, "If I tried to keep you alive, and like your infection took you, the fever took you, whatever, and you died, like I'm not gonna let your body go to waste." Which, like, to be fair, I get it. Yeah, because you, you, get find, that bag. you find out throughout, like, her time with Riker, and I have this whole, like, part of it, like, he explains to her, like, we're not poaching anything, like you had mentioned before, like, he says, we're sanctioned to call the herd, paid handsomely to deliver your flesh back to the county. Your father's brothers, husbands, mothers, sisters, they are the ones who consume you, not us. If I leave, if I don't take my place as a poacher, my family won't get pay, they'll starve. And thanks to the county, I have a lot of mouths to feed. And she's like, so... Basically, in order for him to feed his family, he needs to bring back, he needs to poach, he needs to poach one of these girls because mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the same people who send the girls to the Gracier are the ones that are paying these poachers. And it to him, it is literally a job. Like they don't refer to them as the girls. They refer to them as prey. prey. And mm-hmm. the reason that he has so many mouths to feed is because his mom is like a goddess in the outskirts taking, she takes all of the girls who are cast out and don't have anyone and she takes them under her wing. So he has like all these sisters or something like he has a ton of sisters. So he needs to make money to be able to send it to them. So he just sees it as, you know, like a hunting job, like the same way that you'd go hunting for the season and bring Mm -hmm. back deer or a moose. You bring (laughs) back girls. And then, so we, we've there flowers are this huge significance in this book we're not going to touch base on all mm-hmm. of them because there's there's so many but so at one point she's in having a bath at in the treehouse and she sees that there's that he put wild roses in the tub and she freaks out because mm-hmm. bathing with flowers is a sin a perversion punishable by whip so in the county they can't bathe with flowers because it's a sin. Which is how? Absolutely. Like, how? Y'all were making the rules and you just threw that one in for fun. Like, yeah. that's just, you just don't want the women to have any sort of self care whatsoever. Yeah. Okay. And then, I mean, 
<laughs> are we are we gonna are we gonna get to Romeo and Juliet? Because yes, that was my next comes. part. I was gonna say because then she says, "Are you afraid of me, my magic?" And he says, "I'm not afraid of you. I'm afraid of the way you make me feel." And then these two start kissing. She, you know, they're just making out. And then all of a sudden, he's ripped from her arms because, surprise, Anders is there. <laughs> Anders has come surprise. to find Riker because he's like, where the fuck has, this, has my bro been? Where's my bro? Where's my poaching buddy? We got prey to do. And that's when you had said the thing that he says, like, I will literally die for her. Like, I won't do this, you know? And she's like, he's trying to, like, convince Anders, like, you know, we'll still do this together, but I'm not, You're you're not taking her. You're not touching her. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not allowed to to do anything to her. And Anders is like, "Yeah, okay, sure, buddy. Like, I I I will totally not do anything stupid. Yeah, and we'll I'm, let you I do. I totally trust you. Your let's thing. do it. <laughs> I will let and you do it. And it's secretly, like, <laughs> I think that Tyranny knows. Like, this is the end. So, yeah. Tyranny and Riker seal the deal. Yes, but before that, and before that, <laughs> no, because before that. This is when Tierney discovers that what's making the girls go crazy. Yes. She finds out that the algae in the well is poison and... It's hemlock silt. It's hemlock silt. And that that's what's in the well. She realizes and she's like, oh, wait, that's why all of these people are going insane. It's not because of the magic. The magic's not... She Mm -hmm. kind of... She finally comes to the realization that the magic is not real. The girls are just being... They're just... They're going crazy because they're basically ingesting poison every day. Mm-hmm. And it's and she them- hadn't, she didn't know what hemlock silt was. And Riker told her, you know, she's like, wait, this? And she like holds up the, the container of it. And he's like, yeah, she's like, this is the algae that's in the well. And he tells her, even in small amounts, it can make mm-hmm. you hallucinate. So they're drinking this constantly. They're bathing in it. They're cooking with it. They're ingesting so much of it that that's why they're not just hallucinating. They're losing their minds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And so eventually Anders comes up back to... So Riker leaves to go meet Anders and Anders comes back and he comes back to basically threaten Tierney and Mm -hmm. say, I will give you one opportunity to leave him alone. I will make it easy for you to get back to your camp. But, you know... You have, you have to do exactly what I say, and if I don't, then I'm coming for you. Mm-hmm. Like, you have to leave. You have to Because do... he thinks that he can go inside the camp and be immune from the disease because he already had the disease, which, which is... just smallpox. It's smallpox. It's really smallpox. <laughs> it's not even and... from the, way the girls. <laughs> and Tyranny is like, Riker, my dude, you have to tell all your friends. It's just yeah. smallpox. Like, yeah. the girls don't have some magic. But then, like, don't tell them because then they'll just be running into the camp and poaching mm-hmm. all the girls. Yep. But it's just, it's it's wild the different information that they have. Like, he is the reason that she finds out about the hemlock silt. She's the mm-hmm. reason that he finds out about the smallpox. They're in love. They want to run away together and take Anders with them, who seems like a real... Debbie Downer. I don't know why they'd want to bring him, but Riker <laughs> sees him as literally part of his family because he lost his entire family to smallpox yeah. and Riker yeah. is all that he has left. Yeah. And I mean, so- the romance we didn't know we wanted 
between a poacher oh, and a 16-year-old girl. I was eating this shit up. You know I was. Okay. You know I, I was. Go ahead. I have a quote. This is this is before before they fuck. Okay. Our eyes meet. The energy radiating between us is so intense, it feels like we might burn down the world. Tierney, girl, girl, he has a diagram of where your skin is going to go. And now he's about to kill his best friend. And she's like, I'm in and she's like, I'm in love with him. And (laughs) so then, like, obviously, like they seal the deal and then she leaves. She's like, I got to go because I have to because I love him so much that I'm going to protect him. And then I know that Mm -hmm. I will. We will. Well, she's like convinced that she can figure out a way for them to be together at some point. It's kind of like what it is. She also kind of does like a pro and con list. Yeah. Like pro, I'll go back and, you know, have this horrible life that I don't want with Michael, but at least my sisters won't suffer and at least Riker won't die and Mm -hmm. Anders won't, you know, and then Riker's family won't starve because he's dead. Like she kind of is just like, this is the absolute worst decision for me, but it's going to save all these other people in the process and she's also taken aback by the fact that she is in love because she never thought that she would be capable of that she never thought that's something she would want she never thought she would even want to be with a man let alone exactly up in this tree getting Mm -hmm. busy yeah and so that was it was kind of it was it was nice to see her to be able to feel things that she never thought that she would be able to feel or that she didn't think she was worthy of Mm -hmm. with someone completely someone who is would never be in her world no and it's also someone that you just instantly judge because of what you what you've been told and what you've learned and when she finally and as she gets as she's stuck in these close encounters with this person and she learns about him and who he is as a person it's like how can she not fall in love with him how can she because he is he's such a he's such a good soul like there's not there's nothing wrong with him every because everything he's doing he's become a poacher to save his family he truly Mm -hmm. doesn't really have any intention or wants to kill any of these girls Mm -hmm. and and he compartmentalizes it yeah and tyranny can just tell that he just has a good heart and it's something that she didn't think existed Mm-hmm. whereas like the other poachers like when anders comes and tells Riker about the other gracier girls like describing in detail yeah like, yeah she drowned on her own blood she uh-huh. she bled out before he could even get it's the very first graphic. cut like they're yeah and they're relishing in the fact they're torturing these girls because yes they've all made it their job and it's their their livelihood but they're also turning it into a sport whereas mm-hmm. Riker just sees it as this is how i put food on the table and that's that yeah so when she comes back through the fence one of the first things she realizes is that the, there's a garden all of the seeds that she and i just i like started i got I, like here's why i started getting emotional the first part because i'm like how beautiful is this she comes back and she finds there's just so much life, she says. There's just so much mm-hmm. life. There's squash, tomatoes, leeks, carrots, everything. She's like, it's June's garden. She's like, mm-hmm. I can't believe it. It survived the winter and it grew. And she has, she finally has a clear enough mind. She's well fed. She's healthy. Yep. She has a clear enough mind to realize that her sister put so much at risk by sowing these seeds into her her cloak when you know you're not allowed to prepare for the grace year you're not allowed to tell anyone 
give anyone a leg up. You're not allowed to help them. Like even at the beginning, we see that the past Gracier girls have completely burned up all of their supplies, everything that they use to get through the year so that every group of Gracier girls has to start from the bottom. So she's finally able to appreciate that her sister risked all of that to help her. And it's like, huh, maybe there's more to my family because she's already found out that her dad is new. He thought who mm-hmm. he thought she was so this is like, saying maybe there's more yeah, to she's my every, too. she's just learning and so she comes back and she goes back to the camp and she finds that like gertrude has just been like living in the larder which is like the bathroom <laughs> yeah or like and, the pantry you know and so and also everyone's questioning how she's there and she's like oh i found my magic my magic is that i can like communicate with the ghosts in the, mm-hmm. in the in the woods so she the the girls eventually allow her back into camp but then throughout her time back at camp she's all these weird things are happening specifically to Tierney. like her hair is braided or the there's stuff going on with her ribbon she'll go up to get to go up you know to check on the garden to go to the spring and the bones of the girl are in different positions every day she can hear mm-hmm. the ribbon being rubbed together and so she's like i'm still going crazy she's like yeah. i'm still going she crazy she doesn't understand because she's only drinking the spring yeah. water and she's slowly converting the girls to only drink she the is. spring water she, she knows that she can't come out and say no the water is bad because they won't believe her kirsten will say that it's a lie or whatever mm-hmm. so she has to kind of like slowly put it in their heads and then they build this structure so that they can get the water more easily but the Mm -hmm. whole time like you said she still thinks that she's losing her mind because yeah someone is fucking with her and she's like i don't the braids could be kirsten but i don't think that kirsten is going up to the spring and the garden and moving the bones no so she's confused about that and but she does confide in gertie about a couple things like she tells Kurt- Gertie about the hemlock slit she's like don't drink the well mm-hmm. water she's like it's bad for you but then one of my favorite quotes lovey-dovey quotes <laughs> was there she's like taking care of Gertie and she's falling asleep and then she was like tell me about heaven what's it like and Tierney says heaven is a boy in a tree house with cold hands and a oh. And so she didn't think also that Gertie had heard that because she was like drifting off to sleep and eventually Gertie's like you know what happened out there and she does eventually mm-hmm. tell gertie about Riker, and she was mm-hmm. like you know i i did there was somebody and um you know i did fall in love and gertie like and then gertie's like on her team gertie's like yes go get Riker. like she's all about go it get him. i love yeah. gertie <laughs> i know she's like you don't want to go back to this shithole that we came from because it's also there's this whole thing of how can you go back to your regular life when you've seen what you're capable of? And that's another reason that she knows that she can't come out and tell the girls not to drink the water because then once they start to see clearly, they would start to see what they've done to each other. They would start to see that they were literally killing each other and punishing each other. And I have, I have a quote where, I mean, it just talks about how like the power of these women is completely disregarded it's taken away from them they bottle up all this anger and resentment and tyranny says 
we hurt each other because it's the only way we're permitted to show our anger. When our choices are taken from us, the fire builds within. Sometimes I feel like we might burn down the world to cindery bits with our love, our rage, and everything in between. And it shows the power of that mob mentality and what they're truly capable of when they don't have some type of freedom. And they finally get a taste of that freedom, which is going to the encampment, even mm. though they're not free. But the way that they can be completely brainwashed into believing about the magic and the ghosts and the horror stories and all of these things. And as they they feed on those thoughts, it just snowballs and snowballs. And then all of a sudden, they're turning on each other when they mm. could have, from the very beginning had a successful society and I mean they still would have been drinking the well water because they never would have found that out no. but eventually they could have you know figured out how to coexist possibly yeah. mm -hmm. and there's also that unknown you don't know if they would have because they were drinking the well water exactly you, you don't know and obviously it may you could see the what it was doing to them and mm -hmm. so I, I can't even I can't imagine unless it never that's why I think all why well, I mean that's not why it is why all the the things that happened happened the past with other grace girls and why there was punishment trees and everything because they just didn't understand why they were acting the way they were and mm -hmm. it's true because even like you said trying to wean them off of the well water and they they will still remember everything that they did to each other mm -hmm. in that year and that's mm -hmm. traumatizing in itself of course and what do they have to go off of besides what they've been taught and they've seen people who sin or people who do something wrong, beaten in the streets and taken to the gallows. So of course, that's going to be their first reaction when they think that they have this own little society and they have to punish each other. That's yeah. all they've ever known. So Tierney is convinced that it's Anders that has come back to basically torture her because she was thinking back to make sure that she did everything that he asked her to do. And she remembers, I don't know if I ever threw his shroud back over the fence, mm -hmm. which is crazy that that would be why he would come to like, torture yeah. her. But she's just like, guess, like, but she also just thinks that he's just doing it in general because of what she did with Riker. Exactly. Yeah. And so and he did have like a blade to her throat. So like, exactly anything at this so point. now she's convinced that anders is sneaking into the encampment every night and he's fucking with her and so she's mm -hmm. like i'm gonna set a trap and i'm gonna like end this because genius i know genius she's like i have to just end this once and for all because this is this is just it has to stop like this is ridiculous mm -hmm. so because she he's sets gonna the, kill me exactly she he's like it's survival with her before it's, he kills her exactly she's like i need to just take care of this so she sets the trap and someone does fall into the trap and so she's like success but it's not anders there isn't <laughs> nah it's her dude so in a shroud <laughs> it's fucking hans and i was like i was actually i did not see that coming at all I was. I forgot that Hans existed. I did too, because like, and obviously, and he, they, you paint him as she paints him as such. This, so this is kind of like the exact opposite, where all the people she hates in the beginning, she loves at the end. Mm -hmm. Where in this book, all the people she likes in the beginning, she hates at the end because Hans was this nice guy to her. You know, at one point, Kirsten threw her 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 bag over the fence, and Kirsten was like, "Oh, that was my magic," you know, and or, or then and Hans throws it back over for her, and Kirsten's like, mm -hmm. "Oh, that was my magic. I was able to bring it back for for Tierney," you know, being the bitch that she is. So she's mm -hmm. shocked, 
and she was and then she just eventually puts it all together and she realizes that the girl that's dead up by the spring is Olga Vitron, the girl that he was in love with. Mm-hmm. And this is his explanation. You ready for this? Well, let's hear it. Let's hear it. She, she was a whore who deserved to die. I faced the knife for her. And when I came back to get her, which faced the knife, meaning he got his dick cut off. When I came yes. back to get her, she acted like she didn't know me, that what we had wasn't real. When he's finally exhausted himself, he leans his head back, returning to the ribbon, the obsessive rubbing. He's been doing it for so long now. I wonder if he even notices anymore. So she remembers like back from even before it's like brought up to in the book, even before this, that she remembers that sound of the ribbon. And it's because mm-hmm. Hans would do it all the time, mm-hmm. even like before this. He was constantly rubbing the ribbon. Yeah. And she thought that it was her going crazy. Yeah. And then he says, when I came back for you, you're just like her. You betrayed me. She says, how did I betray you? You were supposed to be with me. The first time I saw you, I knew what you wanted. She was seven years old. And she says that. I was seven years old trying to be kind to you. And he took that as, oh, that chick wants me. That seven-year-old girl is supposed to be with me. He's like, you wanted me. I know you did. And it's like, and he knows that like she was with Riker the entire time. And she was like, you soiled your flesh to be with a poacher. It's like you think that every man in this book is a predator and they are but then you don't think that someone can be like the worst predator uh-huh and then here he is yeah. seven years old she held his hand because he had just had his dick cut off and he was crying i mean mm-hmm. i i imagine that would be traumatizing she was trying to be there for him as a child a, a literal child and he's like I'm a fuck that girl. Like, yep. First of all, you're not. You're not because you had your dick cut off. How did you think that Olga was going to be with you? How did you think that Tyranny was going to be with you? And oh, just his, the fact that he bamboozled her for that long because she was seven mm-hmm. and she's now 16. The fact that he bamboozled her for that long and made her think that he cared about her, that he was literally grooming her. Yeah. For when she would escape to the encampment and then they could be together because he could sneak in through the fence because he's a guard and they could just live happily ever after in the woods. Yeah. What? Yeah. And so basically from this point on, the book just escalates to the to the ending. And you're, and you're but as you're at this part, you're like, how is this going to end? Like, you're not you don't understand. And so she finds Gertrude and Gertrude's like, you need to go. You need to go to Riker. Like, you need to go back to Riker. Like, I will, you know. And she, Tierney says to Gertie, like, tell Michael I'm sorry. You know, like, I just, I feel so bad. Like, I, I can't go back to the camp. So she goes, she leaves the camp and she goes to find Riker. She does find him. They're trying to escape and it doesn't end well because what happens in Romeo and Juliet, Kelsey? Romeo dies. My hot ass boy Riker <laughs> dies. He gets killed by the other poachers. And there weren't many left because it was just about the time that they're going to be going back to Garner County. And it says, like, basically all the ones that have gotten to have poached girls, they're able to, to kind of like go back. They're done. But yeah, like, so it's all it's early. left is all like these newbies or people that haven't poached anybody. But one of them happens to be Anders that's there. Mm-hmm. And so when Tierney's trying to get back into the camp because she's going to doesn't want to get killed by these guys, someone catches her and it's Anders. 
and she eventually she does get him to like let her go because she was like you know don't don't i you know you saw what i saw like don't do this and he does and she says now you have to provide for riker's family yeah because riker is dead which like (laughs) we knew we knew that she wasn't gonna live happily ever after with riker and i guess he did have to die because there would always be that what if so he did have to die so that we wouldn't be sad that they weren't together I agree with that you know? because I was wondering how I was going to feel about this. I was like, well, she's going to go back to Garner County and I'm just going to want her to be with Riker. Exactly. So like <sighs> he he obviously had to die. I get it. I don't like it, but yeah. I get it. So before the girls leave the camp, though, they kind of come to this conclusion that they want to leave the camp better than they found it for the new group of Grace girls because they now understand what they've been through and they understand that this was all out of their control and mm-hmm. that it, it's not fair to them than what mm-hmm. happened. So they actually burn down the punishment tree. They mm-hmm. make a, they kind of like, they build a, a, a path to the garden that June, that mm-hmm. from June seeds. So they're trying to, they're just trying to display something new. Against for Kirsten's girls. wishes, by the way, because yeah, Kirsten <laughs> is still the biggest bitch on the planet. Yeah, I know. Of course but, she is. Because okay. she so, never stopped drinking from the well. Yeah. So, all right. We'll quickly discuss the return back to Garner County because we're almost at two hours. <laughs> oh my goodness. Okay. So, the big reveal when they get back to uh, Garner County is that, spoiler alert, Tierney's pregnant with Riker's baby. <laughs> like, Which very pregnant. I did not see that coming. And when I tell you, I could not stop crying. From this point on in the book, I legitimately could not stop crying. Because I was and like, oh, my God. They allude to it. Like they say when they're all bathing in the spring that everyone's looking at her. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't, they say that exactly, when she's, uh-huh. she's walking with the guard, she's clutching her cloak. Cloak. She and won't. Yeah. she always sleeps with her cloak, even yeah. though it's hot as hell outside. Mm-hmm. So she hid it from the girls for a very long time. But by the time they get back, she is visibly pregnant. Visibly. So she drops her cloak. And the whole town sees her swollen belly. And she's ready to fall on the sword for this. She's like, I'm ready to mm-hmm. die. Like, I, m- the man of my dreams is dead. What? Why am I alive? Kind of scenario. Mm-hmm. It's literally Romeo and Juliet. And mm-hmm. so then she goes. And then you have Michael, who is like, it's my baby. And they're like, what do you mean it's your baby? And he was well, like, what? It's her magic. She. I called to her in my dreams. And I couldn't wait. To, to to consummate this marriage so we were like fucking in her dreams and i got her pregnant mm-hmm. it's the magic he just keeps it's, saying her magic, it's the magic. Was that she could come to me in her dreams yeah. because he knows the only way to make these people believe it is to blame it on the magic mm-hmm. yeah and so eventually they're all they're kind of like okay like all right well we'll go with that and so she's allowed to stay and she well but that part because the dad, Michael's dad, is like, you are not going to let her do this to you. And Michael's like, no, like, I'm sticking with this story. And when he's defending her, talking about the dreams, people start screaming that she's a witch and she's mm-hmm. fooling him and she's brainwashing yeah. him. And the Gracier girls slowly start to step forward to back her up. And Tierney looks around and she sees red, the red flower that she kept seeing in her dreams, the red flower that she thought she saw out in the outskirts but she wasn't sure all over the square women are 
revealing that they have a flower pinned underneath their collar. They have a flower pinned underneath their dress. This special red flower that symbols the rebellion. I had chills I when know. I read that. It was like, so as she's beautiful. just looking around mm-hmm. and they're either going to start stoning her and hang her in the gallows. But she looks around and she sees all these women who are on her side. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. It okay. was th- this basically, you just, <laughs> the return chapter, you just learn. You just you're just keep getting slapped in the face with like these new mm-hmm. facts that make mm-hmm. you cry and make you realize how great of a book this was and how great these people actually are. So you it know, change she, your mindset. It of does every single it does. character because with Michael, she was like, "Great, now I'm going to be stuck with this guy for the rest of my life," you know, and he's and he's going to punish me for it's, having it's, to take never, the fall for yeah, me. It's never going to be good. And then come to find out. Michael is the sweetest person in the universe. He burned a certain the, the when he be, when he gets the apothecary, he burns the cabinet that has the body parts in it because only one part of the apothecary got caught in a fire. He fully accepts this baby that he knows is not his own, but he's mm-hmm. fully ready to accept it. And it takes it takes Tierney a while. Like she gets her own room. You know, at one point she sees him outside with an axe when he's working out of aggression and he comes in with the axe and she thinks this is it. Like he's gonna like mm-hmm. fuck me up. He just mm-hmm. takes like her stockings off. Like he's just like And he's like, I still love you. I've always loved you. I don't know how the author did this to me. me that all of a sudden I'm rooting for Michael and Tierney. I know. What? And then, you know, and I, and then you, because you, you don't want them together in the beginning of the book because it feels manipulative and controlling. Because he's taking away everything that she's ever wanted and he knows it. And then it turns out that he's on her side the whole time and all these people that she thought were against her are on her side the whole time. And you're just like, what? I know. It was, uh, it was literally just beautiful. I loved it. And they basically do like, and they, she does allow, she does, she begins to realize all the good in Michael and stuff that she didn't see initially because she never wanted to allow herself to get to that point ever in her life. So Mm -hmm. in this new light, she sees Michael and she realizes like, maybe I do love him too. And Mm -hmm. so she does. So she allowed herself. It might be a different love, but she still She allowed herself to love love Riker and now she's allowing herself to grow to love Michael. And Mm -hmm. I loved that. But Mm -hmm. the biggest reveal of this book that I did not see coming, I'm sure you did not see coming, is that the girl from her dreams is her mom because her mom is the one leading the rebellion (laughs) and trying to basically save all the women and stop the Gracie. Her mom is the leader of the rebellion, but the girl from her dreams is not her mom. No, but she, but remember, like you said, like the whole thing, like with like the eye, but she like really, but she remembers that she was in the field with her mom all those years ago. Yes, yes, yes. And they were in a circle so with she, the flowers. So the dream, her mom the dream that it. she's having is actually a memory of yes. her mom. Yes, yes, so yes. So she like doesn't, you know, she, she can't, she doesn't realize that that's like what's happening right now is that what happened with her she it finally comes together for her that all the stuff she's been thinking of it's actually been her mom the whole time Mm -hmm. and her mom who was the first to run up to a woman and spit on her and ridicule her was Mm -hmm. actually handing her a flower and was actually the first one to sneak in there and comfort her 
and it wasn't and when she had i forget what it was but the blood she thought she saw on her mouth wasn't wasn't a blood stain yeah it was because yeah. her mom had something to do with the medicine that she was taking because she got remember she got she got caught in the trap in the very beginning of the book mm-hmm. so she was hurt so she, she was, was taking medicine super. yeah she mm-hmm. was taking medicine to get to get better and that so it's just, it all just comes full circle and you're just like oh mm-hmm. my god like all of these things that you thought in the beginning of the book weren't remotely true mm-hmm. <laughs> you get to the end mm-hmm. of the book and you're like holy shit holy shit and then you meet the actual girl from her dreams when tyranny has her and Riker's baby and little baby well first of all they think that the baby is dead they think that it's very dramatic. It's one page, but it's very dramatic. They have yeah. to turn the baby. Childbirth is already not great. They've got like a <laughs> midwife just like pulling the baby out. The baby's not alive at first. And then she looks down and she sees that the baby has her same eyes and mm-hmm. the baby has the tiny strawberry mark yeah. underneath her eyes. Yeah, that's that right. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As the girl from her dreams. And she's like, I've been dreaming of you. I've been waiting for you. You're the one who's going to save us all. And then. She names her Grace Riker Welk, and I continued to cry. Are you Didn't kidding me? Didn't stop crying. Are Tears were streaming me? down my face the entirety of this book. It was just, it was so freaking good. It was literally the best book I've read so far of 2023. I don't know if anything is going to top it, to be honest. We'll see. Because we're only in May, have- but... Ugh. God damn, it was <laughs> the, so good. The year is still young. It was I have so good. One more quote. It's yeah, short, absolutely. So there's one part where Tyranny says, We may be without powers, but we are not powerless. Yeah. And it just encapsulates the entire story. They're supposed to embrace and get rid of their ma- ma- their magic, which ends up being fake, but in the end, they still find the power to resist bit Mm -hmm. by bit they're starting this revolution bit by bit and it's literally just by handing a flower to see if someone like planting a seed to see if someone's going to be on your side and every single time that they do it it's dangerous every single time Mm -hmm. they could be caught or punished or speak to the wrong person but the fact is there's this whole network of women working together to try and change their future it just and speaks it to might the take them forever, yeah. but they're gonna fucking do it. And that's why she says that Grace is gonna be the one to save them yeah. all. Because maybe she the saw sequel it will be dreams. about Grace, because that would be sick if it was. Yeah, but I'm like, do you want a <laughs> sequel? What if it's good? I know, I know. But like you said, it's like the rebellion speaks to the strength of women and it's mm-hmm. so prevalent, especially like in today's time too. It's just no matter what, women just don't fucking give up. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes mm-hmm. us superior to men. Couldn't have said it better myself. You know? So this book is literally amazing. I seriously just loved everything about it. Clearly, you can probably guess what my rating is. Yeah. But still, so... <laughs> it's still five out of five red ribbons, baby. <laughs> red ribbons. I love yep. it. Five out of five red ribbons. 100%. I agree. Five red ribbons. Mm-hmm. Writing was great. Yeah. The story is infuriating and it's brutal and it's scary but it's also a tale of survival which should be simple but it ends up being anything but i felt 
so many emotions reading this book. And I honestly don't think I've read a book that made me feel this much in a long time. Like this range of emotions. It was so good. And we we had talked about it before we started recording. I definitely will go back and reread this book because Mm -hmm. you start it feeling one way and end it completely different. And you almost want to go back and see all the things that you obviously definitely missed the first time around. Mm But it's just she tied it. She really the author again. I love it. It was she she closed every loose end and really tied it mm-hmm. up really nice. And it just it, it was so I good. couldn't believe that she made an ending that ended this book so perfectly. Because huh. as they were heading myself. back mm-hmm. from the encampment, I was nervous. I was like, if she goes back and dies, I'm going to be pissed. If she goes back and just ends up with Michael, I'm going to be pissed. Like I did not know how she could end this it didn't seem it didn't seem like there was possibly any good happy ending there was no way that this book was gonna get a happy ending and it it does i mean obviously Mm -hmm. their life is still shitty in in the in the county but tierney he has hope realize tierney has hope exactly she -hmm. realizes all this stuff that she was so scared about in the beginning it comes it ends this way for her in a way that she never ever would have imagined Mm mm-hmm it's just well listen if i could give it higher than a five i would i know i mean obviously you can tell we talked about it for two hours i could go another i could go another hour to be honest there's so much we need to talk about but like we hit all the important parts every element it has that feminist that magic that unexpected love like it's just yeah the survival like everything that you look for in an epic story Mm-hmm. it's this yeah and i truly went into this book blind and i'm so glad that i did because i really didn't know what it was mm-hmm. what it was going to be like and that's why i was so shocked during certain parts like especially when she ends up with Riker in the treehouse i was like i didn't mm-hmm. see this coming i thought mm-hmm. this was i thought that this story was going to be her in the camp with the girls the entire time and that was all it was going to be about and it wasn't mm-hmm. at all it was so much mm-hmm. more than that and, and I that just... there was going to be more when they got back but but yeah. the whole like you said the middle is the whole story yeah. I, I'm really, really happy that you picked this. I don't think <laughs> I would have picked it up otherwise just because I'd never heard of it. It had never come across my radar. I absolutely loved it. I I can't say enough good things. I know. I love it. And I hope that everyone like will just read it. Even if you didn't read it, you need to read it. Recommend it to everybody. Or if you did read it, or recommend else. it to everybody. When everyone wants a book recommendation, recommend this book. Because that's what I'm going to do. For the next holiday. Yeah. Buy it for everyone. Yeah. Secret Santa for Christmas. <laughs> I know it's only May. Buy it. Literally. Buy it for everyone. Literally you know. will recommend this to every single person. Okay. I don't care. Let me let me specify. Buy it for every woman in your life. Okay. Yeah, for everyone. <laughs> Good point. Don't buy it for your Republican friends. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. All right. I think that's about it. That's we could obviously go on much longer, but we need to stop. <laughs> yeah let us know what you think please tell us if you like this book if you didn't like it tell me i know don't break our hearts because we just loved it this is the first book that we've read i think for this podcast that like we equally are on the same page for equally gushed about i agree agree. (laughs) so as per usual if you like us give us a rating follow subscribe on all your podcasting platforms it's it'll be helpful for us to make sure that people still love us you know we like we like to feel loved. We might be feminists, but we like to feel loved. We still need validation, okay? We're human. 
<laughs> exactly. And you can follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Fully Booked Calf Pod. Feel free to message us with any requests or any comments you have about our episodes. Or our inboxes are always open. And if there's anything that you think that we should read or cover, you can let us know. If there's a specific author that maybe you want us to read a book by, let us know. Yeah. We're open to suggestions. Yeah. All right. We'll cover all all genres. So we're down. I'm going to get Kelsey to read a romance. It's coming. I know we did Red, White, and Royal Blue, but I'll get another one in here. I'll sneak another one in. She's going to sneak in a cowboy romance. Stay tuned. Yeehaw. (laughs) I'm done. On that note. Thanks for checking us out. And remember. (laughs) If you need us. I'm running away from Heather. And we're fully booked. (laughs) Bye. Bye.